Thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. to the Old Testament. We're going to go to Daniel. Um, so if you all want to turn to um, Daniel chapter 3. Typically, we go through it very slowly and zoomed in. Um, today, we're going to kind of get the whole picture, and then we'll kind of dig in a little bit from there. Um, so, we're going to start off by reading half the chapter, and we'll talk for a little bit, and we'll read the other half the chapter, and then we'll, we'll, we'll dig in. Um, does anybody want to read a little bit, or even popcorn at any point? Um, starting off at verse 1 of chapter 3, Daniel chapter 3. And we want to start off? Yeah, sir. Go for it. And try, try to imagine not vegetables. <laughs> try, try to get past that because I know I, I still think that as, I'm, as I read, um, well, like, especially the, this is my favorite vegetables, I think, for sure, like the chocolate bunny. But like, try to imagine actual, like, real life, you know, people here going on, because that's, that's what this is, it's not just, you know, vegetables not bowing down to a chocolate bunny, it's, it's like, real people going through, like, real things, so just remember that, too, as we, as we read through it, go for it. Okay, so King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits, and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps the prefects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps and the prefects and the governor, and the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So I'm going to pick up from verse 8. I got it. 
Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered them, answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, in whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the firing, burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Perfect. Thank you, guys. So I think a lot of us probably know this story pretty well. <laughs> what do we see going on here so far? Uh, actually, let me, let me get a little, a little backstory to uh, these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, and Daniel. So if you start in um, chapter 1, you'll see that um, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar just took over Jerusalem. Um, the Lord gave him victory over, over that area. Um, and he was essentially like, hey, let's, let's find some men, get them well-versed in everything, uh, make sure they can speak our language, make sure that, like, essentially, they're smart, well-rounded guys, um, and get them trained up in, in our ways, and train them for three years, and then they can enter, enter our royal service. And there were four men who stood out above all the rest. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo. It's interesting, we know Daniel by his original name, Daniel, is also called Belt Belteshazzar. That one. Yeah. Um, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were originally named Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's mm -hmm. nice, funny, interesting fact. We know Daniel has his original name, and the other three by their now Babylonian name. Yeah, and later we see Belshazzar, which is not Belteshazzar. Belshazzar is Nebuchadnezzar in another language or whatever, so it's like... Not confusing at all. Yeah. Um, but so these these four men, these Hebrew men, um, were were the ones who kind of stood out above all the rest, and they were given um, authority over certain areas. And it just happens to be these three these three here who are the ones who are like, no, we're not going to do this. Um, and then we also see um, Daniel. Previously, was uh, in chapter one. You'll see him. He was like, um, hey, yeah, I'm not going to eat the food that you're giving to all of us. Um, and if you've ever heard of like the modern day Daniel fast, it's just eating fruit and veggies. That's where that comes from. Um, Daniel chapter one, where he's like, 
I'm not going to eat these foods because it's detestable to my God. So just let me eat fruits and veggies so I don't defile myself. And they're like, um, I don't know about this. They're like, give me 10 days, test me. Um, I bet, you know, I'll still be as strong as everyone else. They're like, okay, sure. 10 days later, he's just eating fruit and veggies and he's still just as strong as everyone else. They're like, all right, cool, that works. You four can just eat fruit and veggies and not be defiled, you know, by, um, you know, the food that we're telling you guys to eat. So it's just really cool to see how, how, you know, they continue to find favor with the Lord there. So now we got what's going on here in chapter three. So what else, what else do we see going on? You know the Mercy Me song? Um, it's like, I know you're able and I know you're good or whatever. And it's like, that's that's like all just based off of verse 17 and 18. Like, even if you don't, my hope's in you alone, right? Like, that's the kind of thing he's like, hey, like, our, <laughs> they're like, okay, our God can deliver us out of your hand. And, and like, we don't even have to answer you, dude. Like, you're, you, you are completely and perfectly irrelevant. Um. Our God can deliver, is, is powerful enough to do this. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to listen to you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so. Which, what if just ball or move? Because, like, we know what ends up happening next. Like, but you would think that, like, maybe use a little bit more tact or maybe be a little bit more, like, you know, late. But they're just like, nah, man. Like, this is, <laughs> this is all I need to say to you. I was just piggybacking off of that. It just strikes me as so funny when, like, I think a common criticism of believers from the world is that, like, we just follow lists of do's and don'ts, right? They see, like, the legalistic Mm -hmm. perspective that some of believers, rightfully so, like, I'm not saying it's an incorrect perception, but then you read in the Bible about all these, about Jesus himself, but also all of these like Old Testament heroes of the faith that like just straight up stood rebellious against the world in a, in a very like real way. Um, I was like, you know what? No, my, like my God is higher. My God is greater. I serve someone greater and therefore like I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to follow the things that you're telling me to say because I believe that I know what is true, um, and what is true is my God is bigger than this idol that you just created, right? Like, there's no way, there's no power in that, but there's power in who I serve, and I'd rather be in that camp than sacrifice that and compromise on that to join you guys. No, I'm not going to do it. I just find that so refreshing and also a real gut punch in a lot of ways to us modern day like okay what have I compromised on because I didn't maybe fully trust and believe in this God that is greater and higher than all these other things that the world promises me um like when it came down to it whose camp would I choose the fire or would I not it's very interesting cool what else any other thoughts observations I did a study on Daniel a couple of summers ago, so this is not my own assessment, but um, I don't know if you all have heard of Beth Moore before, but she was saying that King Nebuchadnezzar throughout 
all of Daniel until pretty much the very end is a very like big whiny baby and like being king is not enough and I know we didn't start in chapter two but there's a time where he has a dream and he tells the astrologers if you don't tell me what my dream means then I'll have you cut into pieces and your house is turned into piles of rubble and then here chapter 3 verse 13 he's he's furious with rage he summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and then when we dive into 19 he's furious with them like he's just like the whole kingdom isn't enough for him the title isn't enough for him he needs to like build an image and have them bow down to this for whatever reason and then four three men will not do it and he's like that's still not enough even though everybody else will and i just i have to have that control and i have to and he's like well you know what throw them in a fire that's yeah there's a lot of really good stuff if, if anyone's like unsure of where to like oh i want to read the bible but i don't know like where to start like daniel's great daniel's amazing it's like just like like mind-boggling stuff this whole time. Yeah, like chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar is like, I have this dream. Who can interpret it? Like, who can tell me what my dream was and tell me what it means? And everyone's like, what? Like, no, we can't do that. He's like, get my magicians, my sorcerers, my enchanters, and astrologers. Like, I demand that someone tell me what my dream was. Like, well, tell us what your dream was and then we'll interpret it. He's like, no, tell me what I dreamed and then interpret, interpret it yourself as yeah. well. And if you can't do it, I'm going to kill everyone who is an astrologer, magician, enchanter, and, and astrologer. And they're like, what the heck? And which included Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. And so Daniel, again, this is such, this is such great. This, this reminds me, um, Daniel's like, um, level of faith reminds me of Peter. When Peter was like, you know, they're out on the, on the sea in the boat, and he sees Jesus, and they think it's a ghost, and, and Peter has the the audacity, the faith, the courage to say, if you are who you say you are, call me out of the boat to walk on the water. And Jesus is like, come. Mm -hmm. And here in chapter 2, again, I know we didn't go through this together, but chapter 2, Daniel is like, hey, 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 like, hey, don't kill me yet. He's like, give me a minute. And he goes over and is like, like, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Benigo, like, the king's going to kill us all. Let's pray together that God will... Um, reveal this vision to me. Um, so they all got together and they, they asked God to show them mercy and tell them the secret so they wouldn't be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Um, and through that, God answers and gives Daniel the, the ability to know the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and to interpret it as well. And then with that, Daniel got like another promotion and then we get to this part. And even though Nebuchadnezzar knows that, like these th who these three guys are, he disappointed them. He's like, you three aren't doing what I said to do. You're going in the furnace. And I think he gave him one more chance. He's like, all right, I'll give you, I'll give you another chance. Um, yeah, verse 15, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue. Nope, not going to do it. Yeah. I think that it, going back to, to the dream part, just briefly, like, it's so interesting because in other parts of the Bible, he's like they'll just like interpret this dream, but Nebuchadnezzar is aware of, obviously like how his wise men might lie to him or something like that. And mm -hmm. So he's like, no, 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 tell me my dream that I had, and then tell me the interpretation, and then um, or or you're gonna be turned tor torn limb from limb, and then 
they're stalling for time, and then he he said, and then eventually they say, um, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, it's just not possible. Um, only the gods can do it, right? And then Daniel ends up replying later and said, and he's like, he's like, oh, so you can interpret my dream? He's like, no, but God can, right? <laughs> and like, just the, and he's like, and he's made it known to me for your benefit. And just the, it's just so cool. The way that David, or Daniel, just kind of, <laughs> kind of goes through. And I know right now we're talking about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But they were appointed because of what Daniel had kind of said. And Daniel was like, hey, these three are, are good guys to appoint for this. Um, and it's interesting that they don't mention Daniel in this part of the story. Presumably just because Daniel was on like a higher level or something like that. Maybe they just weren't gunning for him at this point or something like that. But yeah, it's just tremendously interesting. And like these, these three could have made an excuse, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, I found this this really cool list of, um, you know, like tons of excuses that they could have had to just, you know, just bow down just one time, right? They could have said, "There's nothing to gain by resisting. Wouldn't we be able to do more by living?" But in reality, it's easy to say we must live, but in reality, we almost die. So why not die making a stand for God? They could have said. We are in a different place. So, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. They could have said, we'll lose our jobs and our standard of living. They could have said, after all, we're not being called to renounce our God. We just need to bow down to this idol. They could have said, everyone else is doing it. They could have said, it's only for once and not very long. Ten minutes, just for the king. Stupid to throw away our lives for ten minutes. They could have said, "There is more than can there. This is more than can be expected of us. God will understand if we do this." It's a non-exhaustive list of excuses they could have had to just bow down because of the pressure and because they were being told to. But instead, they said, "We don't need to defend ourselves. You know, if we're going to be thrown into the furnace. Our God can rescue us, and if He doesn't." We're going to make it clear to you that we're not going to serve your gods or worship your golden statue. And they didn't, they didn't make excuses. They didn't make um, reasons to go against what God told them to do. Like, no, this, this is like directly against what God tells us to do. We're not going to do it. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no, like, there's no gray area. It's black and white. It's like, God said, don't do this. So we're not going to do it. I love it. They don't even answer the question. They say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this Moses matter. question. <laughs> he says, uh, if you do not worship, you shall be uh, cast into a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And, and they say that later, but he says, they first off, they say, we have no need. Dude, like, who do you think you are? Like, it's completely. And they were very respectful about it, too. Yeah. They're, they're going to still, like, uh, like, and if he doesn't want, and if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we're never going to serve your God. So, like, they're very blunt, yep. but still being respectful. They're not like, 
you fool, you buffoon, bro, you don't even know, like, you're not a god, like, they're not, they're not disrespectful, there's like, your majesty, they're not gonna do it, they'll never do it, it's just the way it is. Alright, let's get to the fun stuff. Who wants to start reading 19, and then you can, you can pop, popcorn or whatever. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace... The flames killed the soldiers that this sorry. The flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. You want to take it from there? Or uh, at... I guess I should finish that. I can finish it. 26 and a half. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers... Officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Awesome. This guy really likes to tear people from their limbs. <laughs> That's just his go-to. He's like, let's tear them apart and let's throw them in fires. And hey, actually, I take that back. And now, if you do do this, then it will be torn apart. What a turnaround, though, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a turntable. So, I think we all know this. Oh, so. Man, it, it kind of makes me wonder what would happen if he, like, was still, his heart was still hard. Like kind of like the Pharaoh and the way how it took ten, ten things to yep. like not even change his mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but like if he had still not accepted it as to a point, what would have come next? Hmm. That's so, interesting to think about. Yeah. It goes to show the different people. <laughs> like the different characters that we see. Everybody is so human. Yeah. All of our hearts, different aspects of it. How God reaches and how God like impacts one person over the other. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, it 
It just took, I mean, we don't know how long, maybe it was a matter of seconds. I mean, the fire was so hot, the, the soldiers who threw them in died just from being close enough to throw them in the fire. So, like, these three should have been dead instantly the moment being in the fire. But, you know, we don't know if it was a few seconds or a few minutes later, but, you know, he, the king was still there. And he's like, wait, they're moving around. Not just that. There's four. And there's four of them. So what, what happened in the fire? There is another in the fire. Those are the only time I have. <laughs> what happened in the fire? Unbound upright. What was consumed in the fire? The findings. The bindings. Yeah, your observation. The only thing that got burned up in the fire was what bound them. Mm. Not a hair on their head. Let me read it exactly. Verse twenty-seven. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Now, when we have bonfires, you smell like smoke. Just sitting. Just sitting near the fire, you smell like smoke. Even if you're not directly next to the fire throwing stuff in the fire, you smell like smoke just being in the vicinity of a fire. The bigger the fire, the more you're going to smell like it. They just turn this thing up seven times hotter than usual. The guys who threw them in were killed just by being close enough to throw them in. And they don't even smell like fire. They had such covering over them. Their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. From being in the smoke. Zach, you've gone into a fire before. Unwillingly. Somewhat yeah. willingly. Yeah. Right? You tried to jump over and through the fire, but you tripped and fell. Yeah, that's exactly through. the way it happened. Yeah. You smelled like smoke, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, felt like smoke. You looked like smoke. <laughs> You looked like smoke, you smelled like smoke, you probably tasted like smoke, you yeah. felt smoke, you could probably hear smoke, like tingling your hair. Trying to see my scars finally gone, but it took years. That was, that was just from tumbling on a little bit of the embers, the embers on the mm -hmm. outside. These guys were in the fire, and they don't even smell like smoke. Their hair didn't even burn. But the ropes bound them. Charles Spurgeon spoke of uh, there being three types of furnaces. I'll elaborate on those a little bit. There's the furnace that man prepares. There's the furnace that Satan prepares. And you might not think about it. There's also the furnace that God prepares. The first one, the one that man prepares, what's that meant to do? You can see here from what Nebuchadnezzar prepared. What's, what's the fire that, what's the furnace that man prepares meant to do? Burn. Burn, kill, kill our bodies, right? Kill our physical bodies. There's a furnace that Satan prepares. What's that meant to do? Kill our souls. Kill our souls. Torture us for eternity. There's a furnace that God prepares for us, too. 
What's the point of that? refine and purify us, even test us. Let's take a little uh, turn to Isaiah 48.10. This is uh, the furnace of suffering, the furnace of affliction. Isaiah 48.10. Uh, I love the title of this, the, at least the, the title of chapter 48 in Isaiah is called God's Stubborn People. Um, but let's just read 10, just verse 10. Everyone take that one. I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. Other translations will say the furnace of um, affliction. Same thing. I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. And I'd be like, well, what the heck does that mean? Daniel 3 puts it out pretty well. What it means to suffer in the fire, to, to have affliction, right? Imagine how different this story would have been if God didn't save them in the fire. Would anything, would that make a difference to anything? Would God be any, would we see him any differently if he didn't? Honestly, I mean, it's a pretty cool story, right? Like these three were just saved and they didn't even smell like smoke, but... What would we think? What would we think of God if, if the story was? And if, even if He doesn't save us, oh Nebuchadnezzar, we'll never bow down to you. So Nebuchadnezzar threw them in. It was so hot. Uh, the people who threw them in died just from being there. And the moment they got thrown into the fire, they melted. The end. And everyone had to keep bowing down to the statue. What would it look like then? I mean, at that point, just explain martyrs. Yep. And there are others. You know, like we've got, um, I mean, John all the, all the apostles at some point, pretty much. Yeah, and John the Baptist, he was beheaded. Um, you know, Stephen, he was stoned to death, and, and he looked up and was like, I got to, like, go ahead, like, forgive myself to you. And, and there's not, there's not always a happy end, or, I mean, there is that but it doesn't always turn out the way that you would hope that it would turn out. So. I have something. Um, but I think, re I mean, reading 11 in Isaiah 48, and also seeing the outcome of what happens when King Nebuchadnezzar essentially changes his mind and what the new decree is, I think you take at the end of the day, the suffering that we endure and that we face is meant to refine us, but it is also an avenue to grow us, grow our faith, but also to allow His glory to be the overwhelming thing that people see, regardless of the circumstance that we walk through. 
Isaiah 48, 11 says, I will rescue you for my sake. Yes, for my own sake. I will not let my reputation be tarnished and I will not share my glory with idols. Our God is a God of glory, of majesty, right? So the outcome at the end of the day, even when um, the apostles and John the Baptist and all of Stephen, I'm glad you brought that up because that came to my mind too. And when you read that account, the glory is clear that anybody could be moved by their faith so much to walk in such boldness to say, this is what I'm willing to die for because I believe in this so strongly. That's glory. That's the glory of the Lord that is impacting those people. And that's what we see as well that God like chooses to save them because knowing also what Nebuchadnezzar's decisions are going to be following that, right? He's all knowing, he's all powerful. So he knows that through saving Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his glory is going to be made more perfect in that moment to all the people, not just the king and the king and everybody after that, right? Like it takes that tumble effect. So it's, it's his glory that is ultimately brought to light even in the midst of our suffering which is so difficult for us to wrap our minds around for me to wrap my mind around that you know we want to be rescued and spared from all of the hardship and all of the troubles but that was never a promise that we would do that but his glory is a promise and that we get to share in it that's also a promise so it's like okay well what are you going to hold on to but I wonder if if we answer honestly, does it bother us to know that God allows trials and his refining fires in our lives for his own sake? Like we said in verse 11 there, I will rescue for my sake, yes for my own sake. I will not let my reputation be tarnished. I will not share my glory with idols. Sometimes it's hard to to come to, to peace knowing that God allows us to go through these refining fires to God isn't the one bringing about these bad things but he will allow it us to go through it you know the enemy has a plan for us and God has a plan for us and in that same situation there's two different plans for you plans to prosper plans to suffer kill steal and destroy have life abundant life but we also need to remember that we're not at the center of the universe that God is everything he does allows um, furthering his eternal purpose now, I actually just saw one other little um, a little reference um, as we're reading through verse 25, Nebuchadnezzar said, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. There's a little footnote here to uh, Psalm 91.3. I'm going to read that for a second. Psalm 91.3. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. There's more there too, that's good. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. Now it doesn't say God will protect you from every bad thing to ever happen. That's not what it's saying. 
is saying that he is there, he's with you, and you know, rescue you from every trap, protect you from deadly disease. Now here's here's what really stuck out to me. I had a, a few things leading me toward toward Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not spared the fiery furnace. Right? We saw they got thrown in. They were not spared the fiery furnace. But they were spared in the furnace. Next week we're going to be reading about Daniel in the lion's den. And we'll see that Daniel wasn't spared the lion's den. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but he was spared in the lion's den. They both still went. A lot of us, and uh, it's a very common thing to pray, a lot of us pray, God, please don't send me to the lion's den. Don't send me into the furnace. Don't let this bad thing happen to me. Don't let this bad thing happen to my family member. Don't let this bad thing happen. But what if God wants to spare us in the situation as opposed to sparing us from the situation? Because our faith grows and our understanding of him grows. And maybe God doesn't spare you from the certain things that, that you're trying to pray against, but he'll spare you in it. And the same way Nebuchadnezzar had a plan for, for them here, God also had a plan for them here. That, that really stuck out to me um, a lot in the past few weeks of seeing, seeing their heart in this situation too. To see them about to be thrown into a fire and to be at peace. To know even if he doesn't, he can save us. God can save us. But if he doesn't, it makes no difference. It's okay either way. God is still good whether we're spared, whether we're not spared. It's like he is still better than anything you're going to come up with, mm -hmm. essentially. Thoughts so far? Any other comments, questions? If I had to put a title on this, I call it He's in the Room. And probably the same title for as we go through uh, what is Daniel chapter six about Daniel and the lion's den. It's interesting in verse twenty six, um, he addresses them. He says Shadrach, Meshach. For, so he's look, referred to God as lowercase g the entire time before this, right? But then in verse twenty six, he says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God come out, come here. Um, I was looking at the concordance, and it's uh, that version of Most High is only ever used in Daniel um, to refer to God. And it's really interesting because I did we, we uh, I did a talk a few weeks ago, I guess it was a couple months ago now, uh, on El Shaddai, uh, which means like God Almighty, um, or kind of like Most High God. And um, he just kind of refers to to God with the most elevated status now. 
um, after seeing what has happened. And he's like, hey, come on, get on out of here. And I know you say not to think of Veggie Tales, but like I just can't help but hear, come on out of here. <laughs> I just can't help but do it. I mean, yeah, the, the bunny song is really catchy. Yeah. The bunny, the bunny, I love the bunny. So good. Um, let's, let's go back to Isaiah for a moment. Um, but Isaiah 43. Does everyone read Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2? But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Cool. Do those things remind you of anything? you walk through the deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. I think of Moses, Peter, Joshua. When you walk through, my version says, when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. That is directly what we just read here in Daniel 3. Right, this, whole, this whole chapter is just, it's just, it's so good. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Let's go to one other, I want to go to one other spot. Um, Philippians 1 6. Philippians 1 6 says this And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue this his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I'm certain that God, who began the good work within me, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I think another way of, of what's being said here is, Maybe God doesn't want to change our hard circumstances because he wants he wants to give those hard circumstances time to change you. God is always in the process of finishing what he started in us. And I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Maybe God doesn't want to change the hard circumstance because he wants the hard circumstance to change you. 
expect the miracle outside of the fire. You think God would save you before things went that far. But for these three specifically, the miracle is in the fire. I went through the um, that uh, reading plan about dangerous prayers um, this past um, week or two. And it was challenging, not gonna lie. It was it was a real eye opener. Um, I, I read you all like the, the intro to the, the first one that Bible study um, about um, dangerous prayers, about getting yourself out of your comfort zone with praying, about not praying for these little things, about not, you know I just highly encourage it. I'll, I'll share it again if anyone is interested, but um, it's it is challenging. I'm I'm looking at this like I don't do this. I don't know if I can pray these things. Like it, they're real challenging. So if anyone's looking to spice up their prayer life and get really bold in their faith, this is a challenge. It's like a it's like a five day um, uh, reading plan, but it is challenging. Things that the examples of prayer that they have in there from the Bible of how people prayed and um, what to pray for instead of God blessing your burgers and fries, like it's it's challenging. Um, I'll, I'll share that all again with you guys later if anyone's interested. Um, but I just I think of, of people like this and you know these these heroes of faith and just everyone we see here in the Bible. And there's no reason you know these people are just people. These are just three guys. It could have been any of us who were in this situation, and you know they're not—they're not superhumans. They're not gods. But just to see how other people live their lives and choose to glorify God and live for Him day to day is—is really, really cool. Really encouraging to see. You know, these are just three people. David was just a little shepherd boy, the smallest of all his siblings, and he became a powerful king. You know, even. Through the things that he did, and murder and adultery, he was still called a man after God's own heart. To see, these are just people. Everyone in here are just people. And to see how they chose to live their lives and glorify God in what they do. Yeah. Do you see any parallels between 
the story of the story of Esther. I've never seen, yeah, of, 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 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've always seen some parallels there, just in the way that, like, when you talk about having to still go through the whole process, right? Like, she had no knowledge of how that scenario was going to end, right? Neither did Mordecai. Um, and it was a relatively rocky and bumpy road to get to, to where they got to. Um, with being, I mean, when you think about the whole lead up, right, between Vashti being put out, like God, this is God already planning exactly how this is going to go years before anything becomes a problem with Haman and stuff later to plot against the Jews. And it just goes to show, in my mind, the just the providence of God and how he the fancy term for it is provenient grace, right? The grace that goes before. And the all of the prep work that he's done up to this <laughs> well before the scenario that you're in. Um, so yeah, I'm inclined to agree a lot that yeah, maybe you're called to be put into the furnace because that's the work that he's been doing in you and before you for years if that makes any sense yeah so. it's it's really challenging uh, to be honest to see how some of these people prayed and what they prayed versus how i pray and how i think most people pray these days of god please don't let this bad thing happen god if you're good please don't let this bad thing happen right like that's that's a very that's a very human thing to pray like no one wants bad things. God doesn't want the bad things to happen either. But he can use it. And instead of just like, God, please don't let this happen. What if we prayed, God, your will be done. And whether it's this or that, I know that you'll be with me through it all. And I'm just going to cling to and rely on you to get me through it. And I, don't, I don't know that we see any disciple of Jesus pray, Jesus, don't let me be in trouble or in a bad situation or be in danger. They're looking for danger. They're out there like, all right, we're going to release you from jail this time for the fourth time. Can't speak the name of Jesus anymore. They're like, cool, thanks for letting me out. Oh, no, yeah, I'm going to keep speaking to Jesus. Thanks. Okay, bye. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna share um, a little clip of a a song by um, uh, Maverick City Worship. Thank you. It's not released yet, um, so this is just like a, a short little like I don't know twenty second clip of it. Uh, I'm just waiting until they release it because I can't wait to hear this whole song. But <laughs> they released this little like um, sync preview. It goes exactly what we we're just in here.
keep an eye out for Maverick City Worship releasing that song soon because yeah. I'm excited. It's called He's in the Room. Um, See, I like that first verse where it says that uh, God will testify because it's always like something like how we give our testimony and our testimony, but it's kind of cool to think that we also could be a testimony of God. Like that we're God's testimony who will use us for his own glory yeah. and his own testimony. Well, that was pretty cool. That's good. First time I've heard that before. Cool. Good stuff, guys. Um, I look forward to going through uh, seeing Daniel in the lion's den next week as we go through that and seeing how he's in the room, seeing how, um, you know, with us and how Daniel goes about that interaction because it's really cool and, and like looking at their heart where their heart is and all of it how how they go about praying and just uh, Daniel is just great they're like hey you're not allowed to pray anymore just spoiler hey you can't pray to God anymore and he's like ha, cool right, God thank you so much like, God you're good like you know he doesn't care um, he's like, well, I'm going to pray, and I'll leave my windows and doors wide open for you guys to see me, too. Like, he's just awesome. There are so many, so many things about that. I can't wait yeah, to get it's, into it. It's terrific. Like, seriously, if, if anyone is struggling or, like, I don't know what to read, Daniel. Read Daniel 1, and you're going to be hooked. You're going to be reading Daniel 2. You'll be left on a cliffhanger. You're going to be reading Daniel 3. Like, oh, yeah, we just read this. I'm going to keep going. Then Daniel, like, it's good. Good stuff, guys. Daniel is, is really cool stuff. Um, you'll even see a, a hand magically right on the wall, a nothing but a hand right on the wall. Crazy stuff. You're gonna think you're reading Harry Potter for a few moments, but um, it's it's really cool. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, it's really exciting. I've just been really excited. Yana can Yana can testify. Like the, the past like week or two, I've been like going through Daniel at different parts and stuff, and like certain points, I'm like sitting down and trying to read like work on my lesson, and I'm like Daniel's pretty focused, and I'm like. Let me look at chapter one again. Like, what happened over there? And I'm just like, oh, this is so, what? Like, I don't remember this. And it's just so good, guys. Um, cool. I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll split for a little bit. God, I thank you for who you are and that you are in the room. Thank you that you are physically in this room right here, in this basement, um, in our house, that you are here with us, that your presence is with us. And your glory is with us that we can we can sit here and talk about and sing about and worship you not as though you're just some distant figure or some something in the past but you're right here and we're worshiping you it's it's so cool to see your hand in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's life and, and what you did there um, God help us to to live for you um, to pray more boldly to live for you more boldly to just know and, and just lean on you, to, to know that you're in the room. Help us to live like you're actually right in front of us because you are. Thank you for each person here today. And um, yeah, I just pray that everyone walks out of here feeling a little closer to you, that, that they feel a little more connected to you as they go about their Tuesday and their Wednesday and their Thursday and their Friday and their Saturday and their Sunday. God, every day that they go about just knowing more and more of who you are and and wake up knowing that there you are you're in the room with them you're with them as they dream you're with them as they wake up um, god thank you so much for who you are 
Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Um, thank you for sending Jesus to die for us and um, for sending sending yourself into into the fire, being the fourth one in the fire. God, thank you for sending your son. Um, I can only imagine if there was any conversation in the fire, what was what, what you were saying to them there. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you that the fires that we go through that are from you, the only thing that gets burned up in them is what binds us. So help us to um, release what's binding us and um, to walk around in the fire and to worship and praise you in this storm. Thank you, God, for who you are. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.